CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown here on Mike FM Winnipeg. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Good evening, Mike. How are you? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. First live show since the new uh, equipment went in, so I'm hoping this works. First time we've seen each other in two weeks as well. Uh, and we're pleased to be joined on the phone line today by the newest member of the team over at the Eskimo Empire podcast. And for joining us on the show today, I dare say the greatest member of the team at the Eskimo Empire podcast. Uh, we are pleased to be joined by Kayla, last name unknown. Uh, but welcome to the show, <laughs> Kayla. Thanks so much for having me. And oh, you do flatter. <laughs> welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here with us today talking a bit of Eskimos as the Bombers are going to be in town in Edmonton this week. Uh, obviously a bye week last week, so not much to talk about from then in terms of the Eskimos. But uh, to start off, maybe talk a little bit about how you got involved with the Eskimo Empire podcast and uh, what kind of role you uh, play on that team. Um, well, I was asked to go on an episode probably about 25 episodes ago. Um, uh, Andrew just contacted me on Twitter. We met through there, and I went on and... Um, you know, it was good. We had a good relationship from there and kind of chatted once in a while. And I just thought to myself, you know, I really like football and I really like writing. How can I get this started? So I approached them and asked if they ever needed a writer for any of the episodes or just a blog spot or anything to let me know. And a week later, they actually asked me to join the team and who could refuse that offer? So well, yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm in, yeah. So I'm the newest member of the podcast to do the podcast. I've been on quite regularly as of late um we kind of had a thing where i'd go on maybe once a month but it's been so fun that we've just been doing it every single podcast so far um but we actually have a website coming up soon and i will be the blog ass i guess you could say <laughs> and the photographer for that uh website so that's going to be super exciting wonderful wonderful a really great addition to the podcast there i dare say um, getting into talking about the Eskimos here, first question I always like to ask is, what were your expectations for the team coming into this year? Because, you know, sitting at 7-5, and five, I think I could have seen them sitting there myself, but certainly not in the fashion in which they got there. Yeah, I obviously had good expectations. Um, I was shocked that we went um, for such a long winning streak, and I knew it had to end, but to fall for five losses in a row, that is actually quite shocking. I know there's injuries, I understand that, but it just seemed almost debilitating to a point where this team almost had a mental block of some kind because, you know, we have some players back, but it's still, we're not getting the things done that need to get done and we're not winning. And I'm shocked by that, if anything, and I just need a win. We all need a win. <laughs> Uh, we hope you get it eventually, not this week, as our hometown Bombers are in Edmonton. But uh, after that, I, I think we'll be far enough ahead in the standings that go ahead and win. Um, <laughs> that would, I guess we'll start with uh, going to the losing streak a little bit, as much as I'm sure you don't want to talk about that. 
Um, obviously, it started with the game here in Winnipeg against the Bombers back five five games ago, uh, and it's kind of snowballed a little bit since then. Uh, what is it that has kind of caused this? You can speak to the injuries, but they had the injuries early on in the season as well, and we're finding a way to get through those. So has something changed other than that? Uh, well, exactly. You could only blame the injuries for so long. And myself, um, just watching, like, I kind of had a feeling that we would have lost to the Blue Bombers back when we did. So that wasn't a, a huge surprise, but the snowball effect that has occurred is. And for me, honestly, it's just, I think, I think it starts in the secondary and the guys aren't finishing their tackles and that really led to, uh, the opposition firing on all cylinders and getting touchdowns. And then secondary is we can't finish in the red zone. So with that, you have the opposition's offense going at it hard, but our defense can't really stop anything. So, and then our offense can't produce anything. So it's just kind of like, and each game will be a little bit different and I could go on and on about our special teams as well. But as, as of now, I think it's just, like I said before, a mental block because we have the capacity. We have the resources, but it's just not getting done. And, you know, the only blowout that we kind of had was in Calgary, which is understandable when Calgary plays at home. But all the other ones haven't been that much of a disaster, I guess you could say. But there's just something that these players are not allowing themselves to do and I wish I had the answers to give them because at this point it's really frustrating being a fan because you can only say so much is wrong, but it's up to them to start actually developing their place. <laughs> if we can, can we uh, kind of address uh, one of the items of obvious, you know, watching the Eskimos from, from afar, obvious concerns, and that has been their kicking game. Obviously, you know, they lost Sean White due to injury. Uh, came out today that he might miss actually the rest of the regular season or 50-50 that he'll miss the rest of the regular season. Hugh O'Neill well documented his struggles. Uh, obviously they signed Swayze Waters today. Uh, just a thought on that signing. I, yeah, I, I really, we all thought that Sean White was going to come back. Um, it kind of felt like that. And obviously, He's not if we're going to sign a new kicker. And I was actually at practice today and, and saw him kick a few balls, which is good. But I also saw our other kickers miss in practice. So <laughs> it's um, it, I'm I'm going to be hopeful with our kicking because I don't understand what's going on with Milo and Hugh O'Neill. Hugh O'Neill is a fantastic punter. Absolutely. So, I mean, he is fantastic. His field goals don't – they not so much. <laughs> and um, – you know, Milo's not too, too bad. He's not the greatest punter, but he only missed a convert and a field goal, I think, two games ago. So it wasn't too bad, but they're costly for us because those field goals initially, the last, in the last game, cost us three points. And then we got a return off of that. So 10 points now kind of behind and then another three points. So it actually became very costly for us. And I just, I'm hoping that, you know, with the signing of Swayze, which is a great name, by the way, <laughs> um, that we can get at least a consistency. Like, you know, you miss the odd one. We get it. But 
we need consistency with the kicker and the whole special teams as a whole. Um, so I'm really hoping that he brings some consistency with him. Otherwise, it's just going to be, okay, let's go for the two-point convert because <laughs> – that's all we got, but we're not finishing in the red zone, so we can't even get there. <laughs> <laughs> one can only uh, one can only hope that Swayze brings uh, calmer waters at the kicking position. You could say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen anything different about Mike Riley? Obviously, you know it's been well documented. You know the offense hasn't been able to really, you know, finish drives to the success that they were having during the opening winning streak there of seven games. Have you noticed anything different about Mike Riley in the last six weeks? Um, a little, not too much to be concerned. Um, just questionable choices. Um, I noticed, I can't remember what game it was, but I noticed that he threw into uh, triple coverage rather than single coverage. Mm-hmm. And it, it was weird because they were kind of both really near to the red zone and either would have sufficed, but you would think you'd go with single coverage rather than the triple coverage. And I know you have confidence in your guys, but mathematically that just makes more sense. So not necessarily in his performance. His performance is quite sharp. He has overthrown a few. Um, but I don't know exactly if it's the receiving or if their communication is not quite on par right now. Um, Riley himself is going to be a warrior and he's going to fight for that win all the time, no matter how many headshots he takes, he's getting <laughs> back on the field. Um, but other than those minor things, I haven't really felt that Riley hasn't been an effective quarterback. So he's made me proud. Without a doubt, yeah, he's one of those guys that, no, like you said, no matter how many hits he takes, he's always still going to go out on the field unless they, you know, pull yeah. him out of there with the eye in the sky. Um, yeah, I won't, and even then, he's not happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, with all the injuries, that's kind of been obviously the big story in Edmonton this season. I'm, an astronomical number of injuries. I, I'm surprised no yeah. one got a season-ending injury during the bye week. Uh, you know, coming back from vacation, <laughs> diving into the pool or something like that. But uh, I would say Sean White, obviously, is one of the most impactful injuries of all of them so far because we documented the kicking game there. But uh, if you have to choose another one, what's kind of been the biggest loss due to injury so far this year? You know, I, I'd probably say Brandon Thompson. Uh, we are suffering, like I said, in our secondary, and we need a DB. So now that we have Aaron Grimes back, that is, I'm hoping, going to be a wonderful addition, and it's going to help our secondary. But if I had to pick, probably him, because we are suffering so bad in the backfield. Uh, that was just going to be my next question. Uh, the addition of Aaron Grimes, uh, you, you jumped the gun a little on that one. Uh, Sorry. No worries, all good. Um, I guess looking at the standings now, seven-game win streak to start the season, five-game losing streak. Edmonton's kind of in the middle of the pack in that really good West division this year. Um, would you rather go – you know, finish fourth because let's be, let's face it, fourth place is going to get the crossover out east for. So, mm-hmm. as an Eskimos fan, do you look at it uh, with the crossover where the crossover team has never made it to the Grey Cup and I believe only won the, uh, only made it to the division finals once, no, twice. Yeah, the Eskimos did it last year. Um, or yeah. stick it out, play a couple tougher games in the West Division, and then have uh, maybe a bit of an easier Grey Cup matchup. <laughs> 
You know, I never really want anything the easy way. I'd rather be there because we were the best of the best and the best is in the West right now. So I would, I'd, I'd like to, to fight it out. I want my team to be proud of where they are and not saying that crossing over isn't necessarily an easier route. Um, the only way that I would be okay with that is if we were guaranteed to play Calgary in the Grey Cup because <laughs> let's face it, every Albertan wants that. But, um, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather stick it out and, uh, fight to the death in the West, make it really interesting. Every Albertan wants that, but I dare say everyone probably was hoping someone else kicks Calgary out of the playoffs before they have yeah. to go and play them. <laughs> no one wants to play Calgary right now. I think that's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah, and I don't blame them at all. <laughs> uh, we've got a game in week 20 coming up that, uh, well, hopefully by then Calgary's got a playoff spot. Clint, well, they've already got a playoff spot, Clint, yeah. but hopefully Bowie by Mitchell right. sets out a game. and then How how much of the fan base, I'm just wondering here, uh, to find a couple of questions before I let you go. Obviously, you know, the Bombers won game one. Game won. If the Bombers win by uh win by win period or lose by less than seven, the Bombers would have the tiebreaker in essence with the Eskimos. How much do you feel the fan base is looking at this as a must win, you know, to keep any, let's be frank, realistic shot of a home playoff game uh, in mind for the Eskimos? Because obviously, you know, you, you already lost the tiebreaker to the Stampeders. The Lions and the Riders, unless you know so, a twenty-seven point win. So, so how yeah. much? How much of this is a must-win? You know, for any realistic shot at a home playoff game. You know, actually, funny thing. I was just talking about this last night on our podcast. Um, I, for me personally, I think this is the game that is actually going to put us in. Are we in the playoffs or aren't we in the playoffs? And I'm not sure how the rest of the fan base um, is thinking about it right now. I know that a lot of people are really, really upset. And I, they're justified. Um, I don't know how they feel about this game in particular. I haven't really spoken to many people about it. Because um, of the bye week, right, everyone's kind of like, oh, okay, got to get back into the football <laughs> mind now. <laughs> Wake up. Um, but for me, I was, I'm actually under the impression that if we lose this game, I'm not seeing a playoff picture in the West. Maybe in the East, it, it'll be a duke out probably between Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and uh, um, BC. BC. Yeah, so I personally think that if we win this game and our team starts looking like the team that I know it is, then we will have a, a very good shot in the West. But if we lose, it's going to be a very, very hard climb up. And I have faith that we can do it, but, yeah, it's going to make it that much harder. Coming off the bye week, uh, home game, Bombers in town, big game like we just talked about. Uh, Give us a bit of a prediction for the game. Uh, How do you see it breaking down? Um, I'm hoping that we can get something going on our offense. And we can get into the red zone a couple of times. If we do, this will be a game for the books. I think this is going to be a duke out. This is going to be a match to watch. Um, your the, the Bombers have incredible running backs. Andrew Harris is amazing. And anyone who doesn't think that is 
ignorant to the game of football. <laughs> he is just wonderful. And our, DB, our DBs are going to have a really tough time keeping up with him. Um, but we also have amazing receivers as well. And dare I say, some of the best wide receivers in the league, if not the best. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's... Um, and you know what? The the defense too. Your O line is um, the defensive line is fantastic at stopping um, anything from coming through and protecting Matt Nichols. So if we can crack that code and get to Nichols a few times and shake him up and actually get into the red zone and learn how to tackle a little bit more, this is going to be a really really fun game. And I'm actually really looking forward to it. And I'm going to make so much noise. <laughs> to try to confuse your team. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, just to wrap <laughs> things up here, uh, we talked a little bit at the start about your involvement with the Esmo Empire podcast, but uh, where can people find you on social media? And I guess, where can they find your work? Um, well, my work is not out yet. Uh, it will be. We'll announce it on the interwebs of Twitter. And to find out more information on that, you can find me at Duchess Lombardi on Twitter. Uh, also on Instagram, I'll be putting up some uh, photographs there at the Eskimo Empire podcast. And then you can just find us also on Twitter, the, our group at um, the Empire podcast as well. Right on, right on. Well, we want to thank you for joining us here on the show today. Uh, plenty of talk about the Eskimos. It was a great conversation. So uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us, and uh hope you have a good rest of your day. Yes, thank you guys so much. It was an honor being on your show. Thank you. No problem. Have a good one. And that was Kayla from the Eskimo Empire podcast joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown here on Mike FM Winnipeg. We're going to take a quick break here just to get reset. In the meantime, here's how you can find us on social media. To interact with us on social media, follow us on Twitter at at CFC on MikeFM. Mike can be found at at MikeGarrell and Ryan can be found at at CooperTrooper42 as well. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CFC on MikeFM. Want to catch up on old episodes of the show? Find us on SoundCloud and iTunes under the Canadian Football Countdown. And if you'd rather watch the show than listen to the show each week, you can find us on YouTube as well with a video version of every week's episode under the Canadian Football Countdown. Whatever platform you're listening on, we'd love it if you would take a moment to like, comment, subscribe, or follow, and share to help us grow the show. Thank you very much for your support. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Michael Gerald, joined by Ryan Coop. And Ryan, I just want to get your thoughts uh, quickly on what you heard from our guest in the first segment. Well, I, I, I think she broke it down pretty well in terms of how things have gone for Edmonton so far this year. You know, great start to the season, struggles lately, a lot of injuries built up, but also, you know, injuries only cause so much. There were definite holes in different areas, like she said, you know, discipline um, at the defensive position and just not converting in the red zone, as well as the kicking struggles. So I, I, I think I think she covered it pretty well that, you know, this Eskimos team that was looking unstoppable early on, despite all of the injuries, is now all of a sudden very much in a struggle in the playoff race in the tight West division. She stopped short of saying that, it was a must win. 
Pat, she said it was a must win. I, I just, I just the part that I can't fathom is how the Eskimos start seven and zero, and are on the verge of let's be frank, a loss on Saturday from putting their playoff hopes in absolute jeopardy. I wouldn't say in absolute jeopardy. Well, I think BC, well, it, BC, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. BC has their fair share of issues right now, too. Well, it, it doesn't help is what I'm trying to say. Is, you know, you've lost six in a row if you lose to the Bombers. You've lost five in a row. I just that I can't fathom a 7-0 and football team purring along. Right. If you win more than the first third of your football season, it takes something catastrophic for you not to make it. I, I just I, I can't believe this went from a team that was very darn close to running the table, did a very, 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 very successful job in the first seven games to now falling under the playoff. I just, I, I can't quite wrap my head around that. Eskimos were on a bye this past week. We had four other, four CFL games happening. Uh, before we get into talking about them, a uh, bit of, you know, kind of programming note-ish stuff. Uh, Mike FM has a new website, isn't that right, Mike? Ah, yes, and I refuse to mention it because I don't like publicity to that kind of person I am. But thank you for bringing it up. New website, you'll uh, you can listen to our show on there if you're not already doing it. Uh, potential uh, football blogs coming out uh, from yours truly. So I hear. So you hear they're they're in the works, Mike. They're in the works. Too busy. Um, yeah. So let's get into talking football. Uh, which game do you want to start with? I want to leave the Bomber game for last because yes. I have a feeling we'll have the most to say about that. So uh, where do you want to begin? Let's start with yesterday. That's the game that's kind of fresh in my mind uh, from yesterday. and At Mosaic Stadium, Calgary. suffocating Calgary defense. But, whoa, where did this come from? Yep. So... If you uh, if you listened to last week's show, you would have when we got through our weekly pick section, you would have known that I picked the Calgary Stampeders to win as I have done for every single week for the last two years, um, because as Calgary, their track record in the regular season is just too good to pass up, right? Mm-hmm. There was something in my head coming into this game that I could not confidently pick the Stampeders to win this one because I thought the Riders, you know, besides that overtime loss, the Bombers at home. Had won every game at their new stadium so far. Their defense is playing great. Calgary's offense has been kind of off lately. Coming into this game, an hour before kickoff, I switched my pick to the Riders because I really thought we were going to see something magical. Did you really? I thought we were going to see something magical at New Mosaic Stadium. Um, And we did, but it was from the guys in red. The Calgary Stampeders defense was just phenomenal again. You know what? I don't want to sell the Riders short in this one either. They played a great game. It was... One of those hard lot CFL defensive lockdowns. And, you know, were it not for a turnover at the 42-yard line in the final minute. They would have pulled. Who the, knows what happens? Riders almost pulled off the comeback, right? They looked, they looked, uh, couldn't my, get anything going for a large part of the game. My big question is now, did they start a quarterback controversy in Regina? Why? Because Bridge seemingly did what Glenn couldn't in. Bridge literally did in 10 minutes what Glenn couldn't do in two, three quarters. I, I, I don't think you can start calling a 
quarterback controversy. It's Gwen's first game back from injury. I honestly don't think he was 100% coming in. I think it was a matter of there being in such a tight race in the West Division. Um, you know, they're going to bring him back as soon as they can. Not that Brandon Bridge p- played bad. He played pretty good in his last start. My the way only- Kevin Gwen's been playing this year, it it did not surprise Like, I'm fairly certain he wasn't 100% coming in and playing that Calgary defense. I, I, I don't really blame him for the numbers he put up. If he's not 100%, then why is he playing? Because they, pro- in my opinion, this is how it's seen, the way he's played this year. Kevin Gwen gives you the best chance, even at 80%, 90%, gives you the best chance to win on the football field. And I think that's what they saw in Regina. Um, and it's not like they played bad. Uh, in late in that game, like you said, they they almost came back, right? Except for a bit of a turnover, except for a turnover late there. Um, but early on in that game, the offense really got nothing going. They didn't use the run game at all in Saskatchewan. Well, to be frank, the running game is what saved Calgary. Boldly, by Mitchell had one of the most underperforming games. I might have called it a bad game. I'm just saying underperforming game by Bo Levi. But I've seen in his time with the CFL, I dare say. And Jerome Mess about a 100-yard-plus game basically carried the Calgary offense for the vast majority from what I saw of the football game anyway. Boy, Calgary and that potent offense has kind of seemingly taken a taking a bad seat to this smother-them-up defense that I didn't know and I wasn't sure that Calgary had. Good football teams find a way to win games, right? And that's something that Calgary has done. That's the magnificence of what John Huffnagel at the general manager position, Dave Dickinson as head coach, and his entire staff have done, is Calgary has gone from this high-powered offense to now this dominant defense, and they didn't lose a step at all in between, right? Like, the entire dynamic of how Calgary's winning football games over the last couple years has shifted, Mm -hmm. but they didn't take a step back in the meantime. What you would see with a lot of teams, I feel, around the league is, okay, you have this good offense, not so good defense, but you're going to take a bit, bit of a step back and not change on the fly is basically what I'm trying to say, right? It's almost instead, like, you, you take a timeout to change, but the Stampeders are just making the change on the fly. It's weird also, too, because I think this shows that the Riders have made monster improvements as well. Not just last year to this year, but earlier from earlier this season to Sunday. But I think they still have a ways to go and some work to do. I, I still think they're there. I still think they're oh. they're at a, a decently high level in the West Division and in the But CFL. they're not at Calgary level. No, but let's be frank, who really is at Calgary level? The Bombers might be. I don't know if we'll see that fully until they meet in week twenty. Um or fingers crossed the West final, depending if there's anything on the line in week twenty. Right. So I, I, I don't know when I, I I think the Bombers are right up there with Calgary. I still think Calgary's a bit better. Um, but I kind of wish that game was now, you know, mm-hmm. against the Stampeders. Because, like you said, by then, guys on both sides might we, be rested. You know, it's like a week. When did they meet last week? And they had, or last or so, and they had those two, two long win streets. And the Bombers just about pulled it out at the skin of their teeth before I, Renee Paradis. Was that week 15? Week yeah, 15. I want to say it was something like week 15. So... 
Too bad we won't get a game like that because I think, but I also think it benefits the Bombers. Yeah, not having to play Calgary certainly benefits you. <laughs> you know, but have they seen them so early? Let's be realistic. I don't think that with 20 game will mean a thing. If you look at the standings now, and Calgary keeps winning, unless Calgary falls off the cliff, loses two straight, when has that ever happened? Yeah. And the Bombers, you know, they worked at this methodical win two, lose one, win one, lose two, you know? Frankly, I only saw the potential, if at all, for Calgary to lose two more games this year. Like, one of two more games yet this year. That was this weekend against the Riders. I thought the Riders could beat the Stampeders. I think the Bombers could beat them in Week 20. Other than that, I had the... And, and that's a maybe. That's a maybe. I mm-hmm. I fully could expect the Stampeders running the course the rest of the year. Here's the thing. And I think Wally Bono said it best. We saw it again on Sunday against uh, Saskatchewan. You have to play perfect football to beat Calgary. Absolutely. And I've been saying that all along. Um, Calgary's one loss on the year. Get this. The Montreal Alouettes. Uh, they play each other. <laughs> they play each other again this week. Montreal in an absolute disaster. Are they going to come out and beat Calgary? What, like, what, how would you react if Montreal beat Calgary this week? I, I give it a negative percent chance of happening, but Cal- imagine this: Calgary loses two games all year, and they're both of the Montreal Alouettes, who will finish with three or four wins. Why can't it happen? It's the CFL. Anything can happen. Like, like, as bad as Montreal's been, and that's the kind of game I want to talk about, you know, Nat. Yeah, let's get into it. But they can just as well put it together offensively. I don't think the problems are on their defense. I think they don't have an offense, and they don't work hand-in-hand. They don't supplement each other. That defense is starting to fall apart, though, and I think it's because they're on the field so often. Well, you tell me an offense, they remind me eerily similar to what the Bombers had when Marcel Belfi was the offensive coordinator. A lot of an offense that can get some energy. No production at the quarterback position either. Um, I really don't want to talk too much about the Montreal Alouettes because I honestly don't have anything else to say from what I said last week on the Alouettes, really, go back, go to our SoundCloud or iTunes page and listen to last week's show because we talked over half an hour about everything wrong in Montreal, basically. Status Um, quo. There's nothing that's really changed in my eyes. Uh, A couple things, you know, it continued this week. Earlier today, I was just listening to the Alouettes Flight Deck podcast and one of the co-hosts... Was Cliffy on fire again? uh, Well, one of the co-hosts, Tim Capper, Actually, you know, throughout the stat, and that wasn't this week, that was last week. So before this game against Toronto, five straight games, zero points in the first quarter for the Montreal Alouettes. They did it again this week. It was 26 nothing at halftime. Toronto blew them out of the water. They didn't stand a chance. I'm not, I, I can't, I can't pick the Alouettes the rest of the year. I, I just can't. I have no faith in the team based on what I've seen. So, before we move on, who misses the playoffs? Alouettes and... Hamilton, maybe. Probably. Depends how long the injuries at the quarterback position okay. for the Red Blacks, I would say. Um, Montreal's out. Rule them out already. I've, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Toronto's looking good. 
I would say it's a battle between. Is Toronto in a position to hit the East right now? I I'd say so. Uh, one one final note on the Alouettes I wanted to mention there. It's clear how to get that offense working properly in Montreal. Give the ball to Terrell Sutton. Give the ball to Brandon Rutley. Why can't you use the dual running back system like the Bombers have been using with Andrew Harris and, and Timothy Ernest Johnson back in its rightful spot in the slot? Like, well, they've it? done that already. Okay, well, it was getting painful to watch when he wasn't in the slot. But, uh, like, the bo- that's what I don't get, right? The Bombers have shown, and we'll get into that, how effective Timothy Flanders and Andrew Harris are as a combo. Montreal's got two outstanding running backs in Terrell Sutton and Brandon Rutley. I don't understand why they don't utilize them both as a dual back system. And we saw this week, although their offense struggled greatly most of the game, it was at its best when they were giving Terrell Sutton the ball. So I think that's something that's very obvious that Montreal has been missing, you know, this entire season was you have one of the best running backs in the league. Now start handing him the ball. To answer your question about the Argos, on the other hand, that's something they're doing really well. You see, they have the CFL's newest star, I would say. Watch out, CFL. Watch out, world, because this world is now James Wilder Jr.'s, and we're all just living in it. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. It's uh, But I didn't like the tackling last week. From the Argos? No, what were they playing? Montreal. Alouettes. Yeah, I'm moving into the Argos now. Like, how much of this do we read into a depleted defense seemingly on the field for three quarters of the football game versus what Wilder's actually been able to do? I'm not trying to sell Wilder short, but let's see let's see what he does against the Calgary defense. I, I, I think I think he's the real deal. I think Brandon Whitaker's in danger of losing his job in Toronto right now because uh, James Wilder Jr. over the last two weeks has set a club record for most rushing yards in two games. Um, he's been explosive. He's had two long runs. He had the longest run in the CFL since Siobhan Walker in, I think, 2013. That's a name we haven't heard in a long time. Um, I, I just think I just think it's a great thing to see in Toronto because that, over the last couple of years, would you agree with me that even with a great running back in Brandon Whitaker, They've always kind of neglected the run game. I don't know, man. It's it's so. Uh, you repeat the question. It's uh the run game in Toronto. Would you agree with me? The last couple of years has kind of been neglected. Oh right? yeah, no. Even and with I... Brandon Whitaker in there, so that that's what I want. That's what I'm trying to say here, right? Is that you have Ricky Ray, who's so far this year one of the best passers in the league. Um, you, you've got some great wide receivers for him. SJ Green is having an outstanding year. Um, and now to get the run game going as well, the way they have with James Wilder Jr., not only does it obviously help you put points on the board, it helps keep Ricky Ray healthy because he is there is less pressure on him. The offensive line has been playing great as well. Mark Tressman has made an outstanding mark on that Toronto offense this season. And I think they're I, I think they're set to take the East now. Absolutely, but again, we fought Hamilton with Saturday the East a couple of years ago, and then they lost Colorado. So I agree on paper as it sits right now, but injuries change by the week. Absolutely, getting into another team that surprisingly got the run game going now, Mike. The uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats pull out a win in BC that 
Do you know the stat? How long ago was the last time Hamilton had won in BC? It's been a long time. What did they say? 2011? Oh, longer than that. I'm talking a long time. I think before the 2000s. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I'm always wrong. But. But anyways. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Why is that? They don't have to worry about not winning in BC. Because they can say, we did it last week. And they did that because they got the running game going. And it wasn't C.J. Gable because he's injured. You know what? Go figures, right? C.J. Gable has been a member of this team so for, for how many years now? They barely utilize him in the run game. He sits out a week due to injury, and all of a sudden they just start giving the ball uh, to last name Green, first name, escapes me. Alex? Alex Green, right? The running back? Yeah. Yeah. Explosive week, almost 200 yards, wasn't it, for him this week? I'll look it up right now. Um, talk a little about what that does for their team. I, I watched the game after the Bomber game. 140 yards, sorry. And I was surprised. Number one, I don't think Hamilton runs the ball enough. Nope. They do now, maybe. She, June Jones likes to run, apparently. This run-and-shoot offense, I'd like to see that. But the reason Hamilton's having so much success on the running game is that they balanced their passing game off, and they found a way, finally, to get Brandon Banks involved. Absolutely. Earlier this season, we were talking about, you know, his job being on the line potentially um, with his play so far this season. Lately, he's been heating up quite a bit. Seems to be Jeremiah Mazzoli's favorite target, um, and he's getting those long passes, and uh, it's really helping that offense get on a roll. I think Hamilton's defense is starting to play better as well. Overall, the Ticats have now won three of their last four games, and if, uh, you know, if the Injuries at the quarterback position in Ottawa remain if Harris is out for a while. Drew Tate, depends how long Drew Tate is out as well, because Ryan Lindley doesn't, did not look good at all. The chance Tate could be back this week is when they Right. But uh, I, I think Hamilton's in this. I think they are. Their last three games of the season, Montreal twice and Ottawa in the middle. So you win that game against Ottawa, good chance you're going to win those two against Montreal. I, I think Hamilton's right back in this. Let's see. A lot has to go right. Uh, talk a bit about BC. What did you see from the Lions in this game? Because you saw more than me. I was on my way home from the Bomber game that night. For me, this was about the inability of Jonathan Jennings to sustain anything. I mean, for me, like, we were talking, and a lot of the preview shows, too, Jonathan Jennings for MOP, Lions to the Dre Cup, but that Jonathan Jennings didn't have a great year. To defend him, he did throw for 345 yards this game. He had his best game of the year, but other people let him down. That arm strength that makes Jonathan Jennings so good was there. This was a simple aspect of BC being unable to play fundamental football when it mattered. And I think it was questionable decisions by the Lions because what they kick? A field goal from the three-yard line, wasn't it? Yep. Um, when you have Jeremiah Johnson, who was playing great, one of the best running That's backs like in the league. That's like not handing it off to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line and losing the Super Bowl because well, of it. a bit less, uh, less stakes than the Super Bowl, but you know. 
You get what I'm saying. Like, oh, I certainly get what you're saying, and I agree with that comparison. Uh, and the other, another one that kind of floored me a little is they're down by one point, last play of the game. You know what I'm talking about here, mm -hmm. right? You and I were talking about this one. And I don't know how much of a difference it would have made, but basically kick it out the back of the end zone, and you've got a tie football But why game. can't he tip it as he's running? Let's see run down to the... Was the 40-yard line, 35-yard line? That was my, that's what I was going to ask you about. And Jennings completes a pass to, I forget who, was it? It was a running back, Jeremiah Johnson. I thought it was Chris Rainey. Or, or Johnson, one of the two. Johnson or Rainey. You know, gets open, breaks a tackle. He's going down the sidelines. First of all, because I didn't, you, the way the camera was going, you couldn't see the defenders coming. I thought, are we going to witness a Milt Stiegel moment here, right, when he breaks that first tackle? Or is he going to come, like, super close? And I guess the, like, midfield 40-yard line, Another, I thought he was going to try to lateral it from there, right? Because you got to keep it well, alive I, to keep going. I, I painted in Paris, and I haven't seen the play since the original play happened. I think there was some shot, but he did around the initial tackle. Absolutely. Um, but punt the ball out of your hands from then, you know. See if you can at least get it closer there or have a mad scramble for the ball at that point. Especially with the number of players that were behind him. It was so exciting, you know. Johnson or Rainey, whoever complete, caught this pass, breaks the one tackle, final play of the game. I thought we were going to get a repeat of that wild, you know, punt back and forth we got from the uh, the Bombers and the Alouettes a couple weeks ago. Um, and then he just kind of, you know, gives up and gets tackled and it's game over and BC loses his game. Uh, bad loss for BC. I think they're in danger. Um right now because they they've lost well, they, well they've lost the season series to the Eskimos I think I got that wrong before I think when we were talking with Kayla at the start of the show I mentioned BC had the season series over them no Edmonton has the season series over BC yep. so do the Riders thanks to that huge win um the Calgary Stampeders do as well the only West season series the Lions can win at this point is against the Bombers um, they've won one so far they'll play twice in Winnipeg yet this season I, I really don't think it matters if the BC Lions, the BC Lions need to win the season series by winning the next two games. Yeah, splitting those two games with the Bombers does not help. No, no, things are. I, I would say things are looking dire for the Lions the way they're playing lately. So, one of Saskatchewan, one of Edmonton, one of BC, then a bat into the playoffs. Let's be frank. Possibly. Saskatchewan goes out east for their next two games, Ottawa-Toronto. I want to get into talking about the Bomber game. We haven't talked about that one yet here. Before we do, I do want to mention Grey Cup fit-up still going on. I think today is day 34 I completed, still going strong. So are a lot of people around the CFL community. So I applaud everyone so far. This Sunday, Mike, I will be participating in the CIBC Run for the Cure. Yes, here in I Winnipeg, in, in support of uh, the Canadian Cancer Society and uh, raising money for breast cancer research and awareness. Um, join me. I have created a team for this run. It's a five-kilometer walker run. I will be walking. Um, team hashtag Grey Cup Fit Up. I would love it if you wanted to join the team and walk alongside me. I would love it if and very much appreciate it if you would be willing to donate to the Canadian Cancer Society in support of Team Hashtag Grey Cup Fit Up. Um, and thanks for uh, thanks for all the support for everyone on the Grey Cup Fit Up journey so far. And I'm hoping we can raise a bit of money for a good cause with this. Congratulations, uh, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, let's talk football. Bombers in at home. Um, 
I have a question. Are you dry yet from my team? So here's the thing. I've always been someone who's loved the upper deck seats, right? I sit in the upper section. Section 234 is where I sit. And I, I've always loved it because you get a bird's eye view of the field. We went to the Grey Cup when it was here in 2015. We sat in the end zone. While it's cool to be closer to the field, you also can't see half the stuff on the other side of the and field. And in a bailing town, apparently. <laughs> So I, I, I've always enjoyed those upper deck seats more so after this game because I stayed dry and what was a torrential downpour had people bailing out the stands with their beer with their empty beer cups. Um, the weather, do you think it played a factor at all? Ryan Lindley getting his first career start here in Winnipeg was an absolute disaster for him. Completed 44% of his passes, I believe less than 150 yards. From a dive I played in Arizona, the team that's presently playing on Monday Night Football as we're doing this show, I I really don't think it would have mattered, Ryan. Both teams had the condition. Matt Nichols had just as much of a downpour to play in, and he was able to execute. It comes down to this. Ryan Lindley is a third-string quarterback, and we now know why. Absolutely. And, and we've we seen the fair share know. of third-string quarterbacks torch the Bombers in the past, Bo Levi Mitchell among them. Uh, and this one, the Bombers just took it to Lindley. They took it to the Red Blacks. All three sides of the ball, start to finish, I, I would say the Bombers dominated this game. Do you agree with that? Well, I thought they dominated the game in the first half, didn't get rewarded for the longest time. I'd say Ottawa defense played decent in that first half, kept them to three straight field goals. Then straight. it's one of those... You wear the defense out eventually, though. Well, time of possession. I think it finished uh, last I checked before the end of the game. The Bombers were at about 34, 35 minutes. So as much as Ottawa dominated time of possession. Um, Ottawa? Uh, the week before oh. against Montreal, 41 oh. minutes on the board. Wait, wait. Um, as much as they did then, they got it flipped on them this time because Bombers dominated time of possession. They got things moving offensively. 550 yards of offense, Mike, by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The creativity just had me excited. Andrew Harris, what a game. Timothy Flanders, what a game. Flanders starting at slot back. I want to get your opinion on that because he started at slot back, but he also continued many of his running back duties. Got to find a way to get him on the roster. That's a way to get Flanders a lot then. Huge game by Darvin Adams. Oh, 195 my. yards. Wow. One big touchdown. We haven't seen those big explosive plays. One big touchdown. He also had another big. Well, I, I think we see a decent amount from him because by far. Well, he's... not from him. I'm saying the Bombers as a whole. Like, they're not an offense, but then a slice and dice you for one play, 85 yard drive. Right. It's night. more of a seven yard pass. Let's get the first down. Keep moving down the field, right? That, that's the way. The... That's the way their team is built. Their team is built on clock possession. It's no accident the Bombers have won the turnover battle more times than not. Not an accident. They've controlled the clock. Darvin Adams gets his first 100-yard uh, receiving game of the year. He's been having a great year, putting up constantly like 85, 90-yard games. Hadn't hit 100 yet. Instead of 100, he almost hit 200. So great game for him. Really He's an clear. underrated receiver, especially with number seven being on intermission for a while. Absolutely. Um, Weston Dressler goes down. I do mention TJ Thorpe this week. News came out. He was put 
brought down to the practice roster once Wesson Dressler returned from injury. Um, Thorpe decided to leave the team because he was not happy being on the practice roster. What happens two days later? Weston Dressler goes down, Mike, has his arm in a sling. And if TJ Thorpe would have stayed, he would be back in the starting lineup. What can you say about that? But I doesn't want to be here. But I has a sour attitude about playing time. He's not a good teammate by the sounds of what went on. I don't know TJ personally. Every tennis team I've been on, not necessarily sports team, but work team, work team, life team, that kind of thing, everybody takes their turn. TJ Thorpe didn't seem to understand that. He felt like he needed to be in the lineup every night. Well, to, to me, that uh, this is where I'm puzzled, right, uh, from the decision from his standpoint. I don't want to speak on his behalf. But you you were you were in the lineup for a while. You've played good, but you were just pulled out of the lineup because Weston Dressler, who is known to be one of the best receivers on this team, came back from injury. Yes, you're down on the practice roster, but you have to think, right, if a single guy is going to get injured, and so many injuries happen in the CFL, that you're going to be right back in that lineup. So I think it was just a bit premature uh, decision on his part. I'm curious if he's bad tomorrow. Uh, do the Bombers bring him back after leaving the team, though? That I don't know. That I don't know. I'm curious if they sign him. Or if they have signed him, and we'll find out tomorrow morning. That that remains to be seen. Um, you touched the news of the trade today? No. Bombers made a trade? Whoa, tell me about it. I will get details for you. No, this is... I'm learning news live on air. This is exciting. Because... Um, Actually, I had a message from somebody. Did you mention the trade? And that is, no, we didn't. We did not. But, Ryan, what stood out to you in the stands? What? Well, what from this game, first of all, the defense, as bad as Ryan Lindley played, the defense had a heck of a game this game. Breaking up passes, Maurice Leggett, again, uh, another huge game from him. He had, you know as a whole that defense made the big plays they didn't really give up a big play that's the thing right that's the problem this defense has had lately you see it saw that in the banjo bowl against the riders those long touchdown passes that's what's hurt the bombers so often they did a great job of managing that this week run game defense could have been a little bit better but they really contained and uh ryan lindley and made made it a nightmare for him all right here's the trade ready yeah not earth shadowing but it's a trade all right the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have traded receiver Brett Blastrow to the Saskatchewan Rap Riders for a conditional draft choice in the 2018 draft. All right, and Brett Blasco was on the practice roster, I imagine, right? I believe so. I had not seen him in game action yet this year unless... He's one of their draft picks, I believe, from either this past year or last year. Um. All right. Thank you for that news there, Mike. Um, Just a note quickly sure. on attitude. You know, we saw both TJ Thorpe's attitude about possibly being tough because he was taken out of the lineup. Tim Flatters at a quote to BlueBombers.com, and I quote, It's so much fun to be a part of this dual threat with Andrew, end quote. Timothy Flanders gets my round of applause for the week because as good as he was on the field, he made people's days in that game, after he scored his touchdown, goes into the end zone, 
hands the ball to the little girl in the stands. You can find the picture on Twitter, the smile on her face. I love seeing that. I love when CFL players do that. It's fun to watch. One one more note on this game from the Bomber standpoint. I'll give you a moment to maybe uh, give me a quick note on the Ottawa Red Blacks besides Lindley, what you saw from them, and then we'll get into picks. You mentioned, you know, the turnover ratio for the Bombers. Besides that weird interception from Matt Nichols that was then changed to a, rightfully changed to a fumble afterwards by the CFL uh, statisticians, Bombers are on a five-game win streak at home, which I should mention have locked up their first winning season at home in an, at Investors Group Field. The Bombers... Over that five-game win streak, Matt Nichols has thrown zero interceptions. That is incredible. Back to the form of last year. That is incredible. Last pit was that home loss to Calgary in week. It's been eleven. Three? It's been eleven quarters over three hundred minutes at Investors Group Field since Matt Nichols has thrown a pick. Um, do you have a final thought on Ottawa? What does this loss mean for them? Obviously. If Drew Tate uh, is out again this week, that that's not good for the Red Blacks, uh, just based on what we saw from Lindley. If Tate is back, like, where do you see things going for Ottawa right now? It's one thing, Ryan, to come into relief with your team up and the quarterback injured. It's another to have to start from ground zero, and I think Lindley figured that out. They're in a hole if they cannot get Drew Tate back in the lineup. I do have to mention, as bad as some of the throws were, he also didn't get any help from his wide receivers. There were a lot of drop passes by the wide receivers for <laughs> Ottawa that game. If you're not, a, here's from a wide receiver standpoint. You know what each quarterback is going to do. You know how the ball is going to be delivered to you. The minute that changes, momentum is lost. That's a good way to put it, Mike. Uh, getting into our picks here quickly, Saskatchewan in Ottawa, the team we were just talking about conveniently, uh, Friday night, 6 p.m. I'm taking the Riders. I think they're still a good football team. Um, Drew Tate, even with Drew Tate, I would still take the Riders in this one. Short week for the Riders. They played Sunday at home, not at all East for two games. Leonard Bridge. Not sure. I suspect Glenn will be in. 100%. Um, nonetheless, Riders by three. Uh, Calgary at home to Montreal. <laughs> Moving on, right? <laughs> yep. Okay, we're taking Calgary. All right, continue. Uh, <laughs> Calgary at home. I mean, Montreal tire fire and, and train wreck is one thing. Calgary dominant is another. It's Calgary at home, Mike. Montreal somehow beat Calgary earlier in the season. Not happening. Can again. I please pet Montreal? <laughs> no, I, I will not even allow it. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll skip that one because we'll go with that one last. Uh, Toronto, Hamilton, in Hamilton. Hamilton won the last one. Toronto won the first one of the year. So this is for the season series. Do they only have one more game left? They do. Is this their last game? This is their last game, I believe. Okay, so... I liked what I saw from Hamilton the last couple of weeks. I liked what I saw from um, last week. I liked what I saw from Toronto. Just not sure if Hamilton can stop Wilder. If Hamilton ha is going to make the playoffs, they need to win. The moral of my story, there's a lot of ifs. So I'm going to go with a safe bet, and that's Toronto. 
I'm going with Toronto as well. As good as Hamilton has been recently, look at last week against the BC offense that's been struggling. They still gave up a lot of yards. James Wilder is going to eat them alive, and Ricky Ray is going to you know, throw it down their throats as well. So I'm taking the Argos to win this one. I think it could be an interesting game, uh, but I'm taking the Argos because I think they're the better football team right now, Mike. And finally, well, that same day, actually. Yeah, I guess the final game of the week. Schedule's all messed up here. Um, Bombers in Edmonton. Who do you have? Edmonton by three. Why? Did you really see Edmonton losing sits in a row? Coming off a bye? I, I don't know. I, I I think this is going to be an interesting game. I think Edmonton could win it. I didn't. Why not just play Mike Riley made it? Not 100% sold on the Bomber defense, despite them giving up as few points as they did. I'm going to take the Bombers. Okay. I, I actually am this week. And you're taking the Bombers and rubber stamping home playoff game, man. Basically, a win this week by the Bombers is almost guaranteeing them a home playoff game because they'd have about a four-game lead on everyone. And so you see what I did there, right? Bombers lose the game but still win the season series. Oh. Tell us that it was a three-point Edmonton. Ah. Um, yeah, I'll take the Bombers to win this game. I do think Edmonton is going to start improving soon. But, you know, five-game win streak. I, 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 Every week I keep thinking they're about to bounce back, and then they just don't. And the Bombers right now are playing such great football. Um, I think it's interesting being in Edmonton. Um, I would maybe take the Bombers more so at home for a bigger victory. I, I say the Bombers pull out a close one, though. I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong. But I will be benefited either way. How so? Oh, I get my pit rate if Edmonton wins, and if the Bombers <laughs> win, I'm an even happier guy. I guess uh, I guess I can't argue that logic. Um, anything you got to uh, wrap things up here, Mike? Uh, any more thoughts on the CFL? <laughs> no. Uh, just I, not. No, Mike's done. It's been a long hour. Mike wants out. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I, I believe the Bombers should win. I believe the Bombers are a better team at this point in time. I want to see that defense build off of what they did against uh, Ottawa. But they did some really good things. I want to see the pressure get to the quarterback and Mike Riley. Don't let him run. Keep him in the pocket. Keep those receivers in check. Offense should dominate the time of possession. Use that double dual threat, and we'll see. It's going to be an easy win, but, you know, you do do a few things right and a certain few things right, and you win the football game. And that wraps it up. Uh, that's all for today's show here on the Canadian Football Countdown. We want to thank Kayla from the Eskimo Empire podcast for joining us at the top of the show uh, to talk about the matchup with the Bombers this week and the Eskimo season so far. Uh, as always, Mike, thanks for joining me. Uh-huh. Not and a problem. We'll be back again next week. Uh, have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening to the Canadian Football Countdown here on Mike FM Winnipeg. <laughs>